every mother got a flower this morning. If there is, did every mother and grandmother receive a flower this morning? Is there anybody here who hasn't received one? We need to make sure. You haven't received one. Is that true, Heather? Naomi's onto it. Look at that. This is your second Mother's Day, isn't it? Or your first? Or your first? That's right. Yeah, he, he's not quite, he's not old enough yet, is he? He only knows one. I reckon they should have a grandfather's day. <laughs> I've never been a grandfather, now I am. Now I've got one. There you go. Hey, you know, we just wanted just for a moment before I just share for a short time this morning, I wanted to just interview a couple people. Is that cool? Just ask them some questions because I thought it might be really insightful for us just to get an opinion from maybe one of our young people and then an opinion about mothers from, of course, one of our real life mothers. We've actually got one we prepared beforehand and she's here. So, um, but I, is Jason here this morning? Where's Jay? There he is. Come on, Jace. Come on. Come on. Do you feel comfortable sitting down here with me? Yeah, sure. That's cool. <laughs> cool. Hey, Jace, I, uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, and I know that I kind of I told your mum and she passed on that question. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, what, you, what do you think of your mum? And what, 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 and what she's one thing you're just thankful for this morning? Oh, I've got more than one thing. Have you? Yeah. Whoa, um, more than one thing. <laughs> Where what? is she? Oh, there she is. <laughs> well, give us one and then we'll work on the others. Well, first of all, I thank her for giving birth to me. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember it, but... <laughs> me neither. But, uh, yeah, I'll let you keep going. No, thank you. No, 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 you got some more. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, I said keep going, not go. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else? She makes delicious meals. <laughs> Good. Um, the most thing I love about mum is that she's loving and caring towards me. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I, can, I, I can imagine your mum being like that. She's a pretty nice lady. Yes. Has there ever been a time when she's actually told you you can't do something? Um, you know, I wanted to pull you. There has been, and I think it was mostly for my safety. <laughs> You've got all the answers, man, <laughs> for your own safety. Oh, okay. Well, being a boy, I totally understand that. Yeah. yeah we can sometimes get ourselves into situations and things we'd like to do, but, you know. Yeah. You know. But, you know, I notice dads don't sometimes do that. They just let us do that, don't they? Yeah. 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 Gavin would probably let you do that. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so is there anything special you're doing for your mum today? I got her a gift. Well, you got a gift. <laughs> have have you given it to her? Um, I was going to do that at lunch. At lunchtime, so yeah. we won't tell her what it is yet. We can't say it publicly. Okay, good on you, buddy. I'll let you right. go. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Hey. Can you see over there? My apologies if I had my back to you. Well, we, we've also, I've just asked Sandy just to come as a mum this morning, Sandy Cusack, and... Uh, and uh, she's been a mum for a little while. She's, been, she's a mother. She's a grandmother. She's a mother-in-law. She's actually got the whole package. Um, so she's, uh, she's been there and done that. So, 
Sandy, as a mum, I, uh, I was just wondering, I was contemplating this question, and I know that I also bring it through to you, but um, influence, how, how, do you, how do you just see that your role as a mum, you've influenced uh, your children? Um, when I looked at that question to start with, the first things were the things that I didn't manage to influence them with, even though I tried. <laughs> like, you know, keep your bedroom tidy and make your bed every day. Um, that didn't really work. I don't think I influenced them from my perspective to be great cooks, although some of them have turned out to be good cooks. I don't think that was probably a little bit of mine, but I was never the greatest chef. have never influenced them to be great gardeners because I've never have been. So I thought I'd better think a bit harder about this question and see what is it really that I have hopefully influenced our children with and um, I think probably, and I hope one of the greatest things was for them to be givers. And I'm not just talking about givers of finance, but, you know, God gave himself to us and to give of themselves, like to give of their time, to give encouragement to others, to give that smile to someone, to give the listening ear when it's required to give a meal, you know, if they know someone is hungry, you know, to give that glass of water to the person who is in need. So I've watched my children grow and I see different ones doing different things at different times and I just believe that that's an influence probably that's come down from my mum, my grandma to me, to them, you know. Um, and sometimes giving isn't always the easiest, as we know, in different areas when our time is busy or when our finance is low or whatever. But I believe that they've all learnt a bit of that along the way. And I think that's been an influence, but a godly influence that also has come. And I was just sitting here this morning while we were in worship thinking, I do believe that, you know, between Malcolm and I, that we have influenced our children that to be in the house of God regularly is important too. And... All of that giving comes from that as we receive from God. So, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant, Sandy. Did, did you, have you found that that's something you've taught yourself to pass on or did you find that some of those things from your own mother? Um, I certainly got a lot of it from my mum. My mum was the kind of woman who would walk down the street and meet an old lady who didn't have a lot and looked cold, so... My mum would take her to a shop like Target and buy her a doona cover and a new blanket and take her back to her house and make her bed for her and do that kind of stuff. But my mum was also the mum who, you know, in tight times she would take us to the supermarket with a trolley and say, fill it up, you know, that kind of thing. Not all the time, but certainly she was a giver of her time, her energy, her love. And I think that's definitely, for me, partly where that's come from, most yeah. definitely. Brilliant. And hopefully our kids will pass it on too. Brilliant. Well, I think we see that. We see that in your kids. I know Michael's not here, but your other two children are. And they're, uh, they, they sound pretty balanced, look pretty balanced to me. So you've done a good job. Thank you. <laughs> Malcolm, making fun of it. You're brilliant. Um, hey, thanks, Sandy. That's good. Appreciate that. Oh, what's the second question? Oh, life lessons. I kind of I thought you I want the second might... question. Oh, well, let, let's go for the second question. I thought you, you might have answered in that one, but no, no, some life lessons, certainly. Let's go with that. That's brilliant. Um, when I did see the two questions, I thought, man, they are so similar. Mm. 
But then I thought about them in a separate light. And in regards to passing on a lifelong lesson, I really believe and I hope that for them it was that, you know, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And I mean, I know women heard it yesterday from Jess, but I had this before then that we go through difficult times. Life isn't always easy. You know, we all have struggles of varying degrees, various times in our life. Things happen suddenly. Some things take a long time to get through. Some are quick and easy to, you know, consult. But if you've got that trust in God, the trust that even what Malcolm was talking about a minute ago, that God loves us so much that we can put ourselves in his hands. And when, you know, whatever we do, that we can trust God to know that he's walking with us through it. And that when you require an answer, give it to God and the answer will eventually come. And um, I think that's a lifelong lesson to be learnt and one that you can hang on to all your life from, you know, young child to, you know, the day we die, you know. We need to trust God. And, um, yeah, I pray that that has been passed through and the lesson that hopefully they're learning if... We all learning and still learning, but hopefully they're learning it too along the way. Yeah, definitely. I think I think Sandy just nailed it because I think as a as a parent, I think every parent that's a passion and desire that their children grow up just trusting, loving, serving God. Now I want to encourage and you know, for those of us maybe have children at the moment that then maybe doesn't seem like they're doing that, I continue to encourage and say, Don't give up. Continue to pray because prayer is more powerful than we'd ever think or could believe, you know, and what God can do in our children's lives. But as mothers, I know that the mothers' hearts go out to our children. I think, I think this morning there is all types of mothers here. We have single mothers. We have mothers, of course, that uh, haven't got a husband or maybe died, passed away. Or, and then we have, of course, some of us who have never known our mother. We have all different types of situations here. But I'm just grateful for that thought that Liz shared this morning. We have a nurturing father, hey? Uh, we have a father that uh, reaches out to us. He's, he's there for the fatherless and the, I believe the motherless as well. So, amen. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Wonderful. I... Um, I just wanted to turn our attention to a verse this morning as we continue our service. Thanks, Nick. That'll be great. I just need that. That's all. Um, and the verse is just 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, and verses 3 to 7. And, and um, it's there on the, uh, we'll read the verses and they'll flip up on the screen there. But I just wanted to read this because just the setting for this little passage, these four verses, the setting is that Paul, uh, that great apostle Paul, He's written to a young man called Timothy, who he's taken under his wing and is mentoring Timothy. Uh, Paul writes this letter to him. And uh, something fairly powerful and significant is said right in the center of these verses in verse 5 in relation to Timothy's pre prior generations of his grandmother and his mother. And it just says a wonderful thing about motherhood and, and uh, some great qualities. And I just, oh, YPs are going to be released. Thanks, Kerry. Brilliant. Have a good morning. Our 12 and... 13-year-olds, you're welcome to go now. My apologies. I always get so excited about what I want to share and I forget some things. So I want to just uh, read these verses to you. Um, it says, I thank God. Paul's writing to Timothy, remember? 
He says, I just thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. And I might just swap over these uh, microphones. How's that? That's great. So uh, I'll let you fine tune that, Jeff. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. Isn't that a great thing? Paul remembers Timothy constantly. He prays for him. And day, uh, night and day. Verse 4, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Obviously, Timothy, he might have had tears because he's having a hard time, or Timothy, maybe um, uh, some struggles happen, and, and Paul's just mindful of this young man going through some um, major things, and he says, I'm just mindful of you, I'm praying for you, but I'm filled with joy at the same time, because why am I filled with joy? Well, I recall and I bring to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, the, um, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. And therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and of love and a sound mind. Great verse, isn't it? So Paul writes this very tender letter to Timothy. Um, and, and, and it's a letter reaching out to this young man, encouraging this young man, and uh, speaking about some pretty amazing things. He mentions his, his grandmother, Lois, uh, and he mentions his mother, Eunice. Uh, if I was to talk about mothers this morning, I, I, I think sometimes mothers have to put up with a little bit that, our, our, that their sons and daughters are in, um, due to them. And sometimes, as a son and daughter, we do things in... in not, not deliberately, but invariably it kind of um, can be a bit of a challenge to our parents in what we do, you know. Um, I remember as a nine-year-old, I was sitting in class. Uh, it was a West Primary School here in Gladstone, and I was sitting in class, and my mother came to the front door of the classroom during the classroom sessions, you know, between breaks. And uh, she was talking to the teacher. Now, I didn't know why she was there. I was just, oh, my mum's there at the door. And uh, the, the mother and the teacher, and all, of course, the whole class was focused on what was happening at the door. And, and my mum and the teacher um, said something together. And to this day, I've forgotten what they were talking about. I even forgotten what she came to the classroom for. It was probably because I forgot my lunch or something like that. And so they had this conversation, and they finished it, obviously. And mum gave me a little wave and a smile, and I kind of smiled back. And she left. And as I was sitting there now... Um, my, my good mate, Andrew, who was sitting beside me in the desk beside me, leaned over and said something to me. Now, my response to his question, I just want to preface it by saying, you've got to understand, I, as a nine-year-old, was the fourth, I was the fourth of, um, I was the last child, okay? I'd never seen my mother pregnant. I didn't know what pregnancy was. I, I don't even think I understood the birds and bees story. I just, I was, I was nine. I was a boy. That means complete innocence and naive. I was naive. And so uh, my response, my mate leans over and says, is your mother going to have a baby? And I would, honestly, to this, I was totally shocked. And I said to him, no, no, she's just getting fat. <laughs> and that was my, no, there was no joke about it. I mean, it's funny now, I laugh, but there was no joke. It was sincere, it was a response. I thought, <laughs> Mums get fat, they get skinny, they get fat. I never knew what pregnancy was. I was the last of four children, you know. And so it was my response to her. And, and then um, 
Interesting enough, a month later, my mother sat me down and she said to me, I'm going to have a baby. I said, what? Mom, I just wanted to tell you that I've told everybody who's told me, asked me about you. I've said, she's just getting fat. She says, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. And so, you know, it, you would wonder how a nine-year-old could have that thought because, you know, a month and a half after, she had a baby, so she was obviously about seven and a half months pregnant. I still thought she was just fat. <laughs> well, they were the days. Obviously, my, I don't know why my sister didn't tell me. <laughs> anyway, what did Peter Miles say? Don't worry about it. Um, probably nothing. But, you know, I, I, as I think about this, our mothers... Uh, we put our mothers uh, through a little bit of, uh, you know, we put them through stuff, don't we? And maybe deliberately we do that. And, and maybe we bring some element of pain to their lives or some embarrassment to their lives as children. Uh, but, you know, so I just thought, you know, we need to say, I hope you've said thank you to your mum. Uh, I, uh, I do enjoy the response this morning up here of some of the young guys about their mums because they're appreciating their mothers, and it's a great response. But I just want to say thank you to mums this morning for making us eat our vegetables. Even though we hated them, it made us healthier. Would you agree? We want to say thank you to our mums today for making us clean our rooms. We hated doing it, but it made us tidier. I want to say thank you to mums this morning for disciplining us when we needed it. We didn't like it, but it made us better people, didn't it? I want to say thank you to our mums for, um, for caring for the grey's knees, the Dettol didn't kill us, even though it felt like it at the time. I want to say thank you for washing our clothes again and again and again, even, then we, even when we thought we could wear the same pair, uh, pair of pants three days in a row. You know, I want to say thank you to mums for kissing me, um, for not kissing me at the front gate in front of all my mates at school. That's a complete embarrassment, isn't it, guys? Your mother slobbers you with a kiss and all your mates are there, especially when you're in that 10, 12, 13-year age group. Um, thank you for letting me sleep in, Mum, sometimes. And thank you, thank you, thank you for not telling Dad everything. <laughs> uh, what else is there? Many things. Many things we could say thank you to Mums for this morning. Paul basically gives this affirmation and thanks to Eunice and to Lois, to Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother. And he says, you know, thank you for what you've done because I, as now a mentor to Timothy, am kind of gleaning all the rewards and all the blessings and all the hard work that you put into this young man. In actual fact, uh, we could probably be thankful to Eunice and Lois because the truth is that Timothy grew up to be one of the most respected leaders of the early church. And he, was a, he became a man that established and helped establish the early church. And without establishment of that, we'd find that maybe we wouldn't be here today as a church. And so it all comes back, if you really just kind of follow the flow, it comes back to a grandmother and a mother who were going to have, in what the Bible says, genuine faith. Isn't that amazing? I want to say to mothers this morning, you've got something that not every one of them, not even the dad has uh, uh, sometimes this access as much as mothers do to their children because as mothers, you get to influence your children for good in the most profound ways. Now, I know a dad can do that as well, but I know mothers 
can influence their children in most profound ways. In those first days and weeks and months and the intimacy of a mother and a child breastfeeding, all that kind of stuff is, is powerful and effective, isn't it? And it's wonderful. And I just want to say thank you, mums. And I suppose today I just want to bring highlight the thought that you are powerful influences. Behind every good man, there's an incredible mother, isn't there? Behind the, behind the Winston Churchills and behind the, you know, whoever else there is you want to name, uh, the, you know, um, the Nelson Mandela's, there's a mother that loved and cared and probably influenced that young man or that young woman for good in a powerful way in their lives. And here we see in this verse that Paul says, if it wasn't for you two ladies, maybe Timothy wouldn't have been the man he was. And I wouldn't have the opportunity to see the young man raised up and be what he is today. And go on to do incredible things. What a powerful testimony of motherhood, isn't it? These, these little, this, this verse here. Um, Paul could see the qualities in Timothy. Took him under his wing. Trained him up. But I tell you what. Eunice and Lois, uh, we see, ha- ha- had amazing influence. And as mothers and as fathers today. And even as people, maybe older people or maybe whatever. If you've got people under you, I want you to know something. You can be an influencer in the most godly and right and correct way. It's not an influence that kind of um, hoards it over someone, but an influence that affects them and gives them hope in a future. So isn't there, isn't there all people that we've looked at their lives and gone, wow, the qualities in their lives? Yeah, they're the kind of qualities I'd like. They're the kind of things that I see are brilliant. That kind of attitude is, I, I want to take a hold of that attitude. I, I want to be able to do that. I want to respond that way. I, there's all people. Now, ultimately, our greatest example is Jesus Christ himself. But there's always people that we can say that, wow, great example, great example. And, and we might never say it, but we certainly think it because we see what happened with Timothy. He was, it was modeled to him. It says in verse 5, the genuine faith that was in um, Lois, the grandmother, and Eunice, the mother, Paul said, you know what? Um, it's in you. The genuine faith that is in you. It was in them. In these two ladies, they lived it. What does it mean to be in you? Well, their influence, the genuine faith they had, they lived it every day. Do you know one of the most powerful things you can do for your kids is just live, with Jesus, live the powerful, genuine faith every day? Just live real? Just live honestly, live truthfully, and it'll affect your kids for good, I tell you. And this is what these two, these two ladies did. Just every day, that was in, what was in them came out. This is a genuine faith. Now, it's very easy for me to say this morning, genuine faith, but really, let's just, can we just drill down on those couple of words, and particularly the word genuine, just for a moment this morning, because I think it's a powerful uh, description of what we all need to continue to embrace. The word faith is, is probably um, mo- is the word that's used most often throughout Scripture. And it means many, many things. But one of the things it means here is it means faith for salvation. Faith, and when, when Paul says to Timothy, you've got a genuine faith. Your grandmother, your mother had a genuine faith. Faith here means basically one of the things it's talking about is salvation for uh, when we pass away. There's a life afterwards. There's a heaven to go to. There's a salvation to receive. Um, and so faith in this instance can mean that. But if we look at the word genuine, it's a word that actually is interesting because uh, genuine is, is not just talking about life after death. It's talking about life now, how to live genuine now, have a genuine faith now. 
And so we see when Paul says genuine faith, he's talking about life now. He's talking about life after. He says it's all wrapped up in just these simple thoughts, a genuine faith. If I was to give you some um, definitions of genuine, um, it's an incredible word. You should do your own word study on it, but it, it comes, the word genuine comes from a Greek word, because uh, it's the New Testament, and the New Testament was written in Greek. It comes from a Greek word, and uh, the Greek word means, quite literally, without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. It's a Greek word that actually looks like hypocrisy. It's not quite spelt the same, but it means not having hypocrisy. Now, I think we understand what hypocrisy is, but let me just give you a quick definition of the word hypocrisy. It's the practice of engaging in the same behavior activity for which one criticizes another. In other words, look what they're doing, but you quite rightly know that you do the same thing. Is that, is that fair enough? It's, it's doing, it's criticizing, and yet knowing you do exactly this. That's being a hypocrite, isn't it? We use the English words hypocrite, hypocrisy. Well, it was originally, um, now the interesting thing is that is a good definition, but that's not what it all is. There's a lot more to this Greek word, hypocrisy, because the interesting thing is um, the word hypocrisy was a reference given to an actor on a stage. In those days. And so people like today, people act on stages. In those days, they'd have people come up and play act. And they'd play out, act out a character or a certain role on the stage. And people would come and, and they'd sit like this in an audience. And as people play act. And, and they'd use this Greek word for hypocrisy. And they'd say, if a person particularly done a good job on the stage, acting out not who they are, but someone else's character, they would say, what a great wouldn't literally say it, but they'd say, what a great hypocrite. And it was a good terminology. You're a great... And what they meant was, you're a great actor. It's not a terminology that we go around using today, is it? Oh, you're such a great hypocrite. Well done. <laughs> Slap. Whatever. You know, it, but in those days, the Greek word was used regularly because it was an actual encouragement. It was a word that actually said something positive about the person on the stage. So it's interesting, isn't it? And so um, they, were a good, they, were, they were pretending to be something they're not. And the, more, the, the better they were at pretending to be something they were not, the better actor they were seen as. Interesting. So uh, that was, that's what the word hypocrite was. Paul was saying um, about hypocrisy, you know, in and, and when he talks here about genuine, he's actually saying, I don't want you to be that. So he uses this reference to an actor that everybody would have understood, it's understood in those days. And he uses the word hypocrisy, but he says, I don't want you to be someone who stands on a stage in life and acts out something else and what you're not. In Eunice and Lois and Timothy, you actually are very real. You're sincere. You don't try to be something you're not. Can you grab that? If you're on the stage, you can be something you're not. But in real life, if you try to do that in life, life doesn't go so well. 24-7, trying to live a life of being someone you're not is not good. Um, we see that on the stage, the actor would seek the applause and the approval of the audience. But if we continually go through life 
seeking the applause and the approval of every person that we meet, whether it's in our workplace or whether it's in our home life or whether it's in, with our friends, would you agree that that's not a good way to live life? You're going to get finally get very tired of trying to be everything to all men when you really uh, uh, can't be everything to all men. I'm not using, there's a verse I know in the Bible, that's a different connotation to that thought. But I'm talking about the reality is that God has made you who you are. I and mean, You don't need to be seeking the applause and the approval of other people to gain your identity or your worth or who you really are. Because that, my friends, is only ever found in who God, what God thinks of us. And Paul's saying, Timothy, you're no play actor, mate. You're very real. In actual fact, that's a great quality because it's going to help us establish and do great things amongst people's lives. You're a great candidate to proclaim the gospel of Jesus because you're so real and genuine and honest. And I know you got it from somewhere. I know where you got it from your generations that went before you see we have to be careful I suppose people as Christians we don't live ourselves adapting ourselves to win the approval playing a role wearing a mask um, because just to please the audience we've all heard that you know don't don't wear masks in life just be real but you know um, of course you need to be tactful of course you need to, you know, um, understand who you are. And, you know, you, you, just, you don't always say what you think because if you said it, it would be a wrong time to say it sometimes, isn't it? But the reality is, is that we, 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 we've got to find who we are in Christ. Our identity needs to come out of that and the mask needs to come off and we just need to be who God made us to be and be real because God has made you incredibly wonderful and amazing people. He's got an incredible quality. It's this world that has stained my soul and my emotions with, and a sin that has stained my life and made me a nasty person and made me a hateful person. It's those type of things that have just tried to destroy my character and my good qualities. But God wants to enhance what he put in you from the start, and that was to be in his image. And his image is love and joy and peace and goodness and self-control and kindness and all those wonderful qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to give to our life. And so we have to be careful that we don't try to adapt ourselves and wear these masks that really don't do us any good. Um, and you know, sometimes as maybe if we're play acting through our lives, we, we repress our true selves. We, we continue to play act in life. We find that we have to repress who we really are. And, and, and who we really are changes depending on the demand that maybe a person out there may make upon us. This one person, and they don't do it on purpose. It's just that we bow to what we think they would like us to be. That's not the way to live life, is it? We don't need to repress our true feelings. And so we find that, the, that, that we no longer have our own core values. But as I said, our identity is outside of ourselves. Who we, really, we, we put it outside of ourselves and, the, and what the audience requires in order to grant them approval. And, you know, and what we find is we, we take on that role of being whatever we need to be at that moment or that time. So Paul says, come on, Timothy. Um, I'm glad, and when he says genuine, that's what he's saying. He said, you've got a genuine faith, Paul. It was, it was found in your mother and your grandmother. 
I recognize it. It's genuine. It's real. It's not, it's not hip- hypocritical. It's not hypocrisy. It's not play acting. It's genuine. It's real. It's being who you are, finding out who you are in Christ and obedience under God and discovering true and to be free to be all that God's made you to be. I reckon that's the most liberating life that God has given us. Some say, oh, you become a Christian, you've got to bow to all that discipline. No, folks, become a Christian and really find out who you are. Really find out who you are in God because he created us. God is not some dictator that has his children under his thumb. He's a liberator of the presence of God in us. And as it is in us, then we become all that God wants us to be. Whether we're a mother, a father, a young person, an older person, a grandparent today, we can be all that God wants us to be. See, Jesus had to say something about hypocrisy and hypocrites. Um, and he had this whole area of being genuine. And uh, it was so important that actually Jesus speaks to his disciples about it. Listen to this. In Matthew 6.1, I'll just skip through them real quick. It says, he says, take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see you. He says, in, in other words, let's not try and get brownie points with God because God loves you. He can't love you any more than he does today. He can't love you any less. He just loves you. And Malcolm said it this morning. So don't, you can't get any more brownie points with God. Um, but what we, what we can do is we can just be genuinely caring for people. Uh, it, Jesus says, don't perform your righteous deeds to be seen. Just perform your righteous deeds. You don't care who sees, but you do it because you genuinely care. Matthew 6, 2 says, the Lord says, um, says to the Pharisees, actually, you blow your trumpets so others may see how you give your money. You make a big show of it. See, they used to have all these, these offering containers. There were big vessels at the front, and people used to come in the temple and give their offering. And Pharisees would walk along. Well, I don't know. But I can imagine just literally making a show of it, you know, jiggling the bag, big bag full of money. They'd drop it in. Everybody watching. That was what literally happened. Um, but Jesus says, you know, so, so let's, but the truth is, let's give because we want to give and not seek to impress ourselves even. But certainly not others, but not seek to impress God. God, God always looks at our heart. A giving is a great, as Sandy said, it's an incredible quality to have. I'd, I'd agree with her. If we can enhance, if we can share with our children to just have a giving nature, what a liberating way to live life. The giving in everything. And Jesus says, don't make a show of it. Don't blow your trumpet like the Pharisees. In Matthew 6, 5, Jesus says the Pharisees, they pray flamboyantly so that, they may, that others may see the way they're praying. Well, you know, I want to be honest. I just want you to come and pray. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, what Jesus was saying, let's never be Christians. You have to prove that really good Christians. And uh, let's just live your life in obedience to God. And others will see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Just live genuinely before God. Just live in obedience to him. You don't have to make a big show of it. Just live for him. You know, the greatest times to live for God is when no one else is looking. That's the big things about the Christian faith. It's easy for me to be a Christian right here. But when is it? I want to be a Christian in the marketplace. I want to be a Christian in my home when no one's there. I, th- I think they call that integrity. <laughs> it's a powerful thing. See, that's being a Christian. Matthew 6.16, Jesus says, um, They alter their appearance so that others may see that they're fasting. You know, fasting going with that 
you know, food, fasting, and trying to get holier. That was what the Pharisees were all about, trying to appease God. We, don't, we can't appease God any more, than, as I said, than he loves us already. We just need to be ourselves. We just need to, you know what God loves? Just obedience. Just obey him. Just obey him. And as we do that, he, you know, it, why does he want that? Because he wants us, to, well, he wants us, not because he gets some incredible feeling of, wow, I've got them now organized and they're all obeying me. No, no, he just wants to see the blessing on our life because obedience brings blessing. Walking in his ways, walking in his truth, hasn't it? So Jesus addressed this whole area of hypocrisy. I think we get the message, don't we? Jesus was talking about it. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you, your grandmother, your mother, are not, you're, not, you're not like this. You're genuine in faith. You're real in your faith. Um, and I asked myself a question. How can we journey away from hypocrisy? How can we get a, as far as possible away from that type of living, play acting? And, and I come up with this. We have to climb off the stage. We need to become less the actor and more the authentic self that God has created us to be. We have to lose our obsession with what others think of us. We need to become less desperate for their approval. It's not that we become psychopaths, you know, and, and, and caring not for what others say, okay, okay, I don't care what people, that's just as bad. Well, I don't care because, you know, there's sometimes people have spoken to me about my life and it's been incredibly helpful and I need to listen to it, especially those I trust. Incredibly helpful. And it, sometimes it's been hard words, but I needed to hear it because I needed to change. I needed to do something. And so I'm not talking about, well, I'm just going to become isolated. Not that you'd say that. I'm just going to go and do my own thing. And whatever anybody says, I'm only, I'm only going to listen to the Lord. Grow up. Because <laughs> God speaks through other people. Maybe <laughs> those people, well, the Lord has told me. The Lord does speak to us, folks. Don't ever, I don't say that with any bad thoughts in real life. God does speak. But, you know, if you have to put the Lord has told me on the front of it all the time, maybe you're just trying to justify what you want to do because you're not interested in what anybody else would want to help you with. Oh. So I, 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 I've, um, where were we? I was just talking about, so less desperate for their approval. It's not that we become psychopaths, I said that, but we consider what others say. But we're not obsessed with the opinion of others. Because, folks, if I, as a pastor, got, or even as dad sometimes, just got what everybody wanted to tell me to do, folks, I, I'd be crazy. You know, many voices, many voices sometimes. Do this. Oh, you should do this. Yeah, yeah, I consider them all. But in the end, we just need to know what's right and what's necessary. And sometimes they're all good thoughts, but what's necessary. So we're just not obsessed. And if I listen to it, you know, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be crazy. See, and you know what? We need to establish our relationship, reestablish our relationship with God and realign your identity in Him. And and and. And purge it away from those things which we have our identity in. Maybe we have our identity in our looks or how we dress or the material things we have 
or the bank account that we have or our identity. You know, I'd ask you just to consider these things. I'd, if nothing else, just to give God some time with you and say, God, is there anything that I kind of have my identity based in other than you? And, and I often find that God has to deal with it. You know, one of the things that I find that I have to continually deal with is a thing called ego. And my identity is based in ego. And sometimes I have to think, God, it's, it really is never about me. But, you know, the enemy whispers in your ear and say, really is about you, and it never is. And we have to base our identity in him. It's in him what we live and move and have our being, Acts 17, 28. It's in him we live. Paul is saying, you know, those women in your life, Timothy, the values they display, they're real, they're honest, they're sincere, and it's in you as well. Can I just get real down with you in the mud this morning and just <laughs> to be real about it. You know, Michelle and myself, we laid some ground rules down with each other in relation to our children and for our children's sake. And, and just real quickly, let me name a couple. We, la- we laid these ground rules down right at the start, I suppose, of marriage, but right in those areas of being genuine and real so that our kids and our children saw that we were genuine and real and not some make-believe person trying to be something we weren't but we never this is one of the things we agreed on we said we'd never speak to each other about anybody in a demeaning way so that way we were never worried about what our children heard when we were talking about others because it was always uplifting if you want your kids to be critical just bring them into the room and talk to your spouse or talk to someone else about everybody what you think about everybody else in a critical manner you watch your kids grow up critical Here's another one. We always gave thanks with their children about the joy of being a part of his church and a part of a great group of people like you called his church. So they learned to love his church and love the people in it. And so when they grow up, they didn't run, but they just learned to enjoy and run into his body and the body of believers. We made a decision. We'd always speak positive. We never had pasta for lunch. mainly because I was a pastor for a fair few years. (laughs) But the reality is, is that we never decided to pick up on someone who'd done something wrong on a Sunday morning and Sunday night and make it and tell each other with our kids. It wasn't the thing. We're just not going to do that. This is not going to do that. We're going to make his church, Jesus Christ, his church look so good in our, our girls' eyes that they'll just want to be there and love it and love his people and serve the body of Christ. Amen, parents. You know, we made a decision what our children saw on a Sunday morning was always what they'd see on a Monday morning. What they saw Monday through to Saturday was what we were like, and on a Sunday we were determined not to be something different. Now, did we do a perfect job? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Did we blow it sometime? Definitely. Um, But, you know, I'm just grateful i got the grace of God on our lives. If there's one quality that we all need in our lives to either be a parent, to be a mother or a father, to be a friend, to be a boss, to be a worker, to be a student, whatever it, to be a child, it's genuineness and this genuine faith. To live our life as a... And I think if you live with a genuineness, you live as a true disciple of Christ. I think he declared it here in this 
just one verse. Do you know that Eunice and Lois are only mentioned one time? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. That's the only time they've mentioned. They're not, they're not prominent people, but they're incredibly significant because they influenced generations to come. They didn't have their face splashed upon the glossy magazines of the day. They weren't prominent, but they were incredibly significant. And if there's one thing I want to be is significant for God's kingdom. I want to be an influencer for good. I want to proclaim his good news of Jesus Christ. And people are going to believe it because there's a genuineness that rides behind it. And so we need to be that. Famous philosopher Socrates said, The key to having great influence is to be in reality what we appear to be. The key to have great influence is to be in reality what we appear to be. There were two young boys who lived in a lovely little neighborhood and they found a stray dog and they're on the footpath and they're having a little bit of a disagreement because both of them wanted to take the dog home. They kind of both found it at the same time and it didn't have a tag on it, no name, no address. And they, well, it's a stray. And they always, both of them had always wanted a dog. And so they're arguing and they made a decision whoever could tell the biggest lie got the dog. I don't know how they were going to determine who told the biggest lie. That's why they were arguing. But a local dad from the community happened to stroll past and heard them arguing and saying, what are you guys doing? Well, we both want this dog and whoever tells the biggest lie gets the dog. The dad said... Just wait a second. Don't, lying is not a good thing. Don't lie. I never tell any lies. And at this, the two boys looked at him and said, he wins. <laughs> sometimes as parents, we've just got to be careful what comes out of our mouth because it sometimes looks a lot different. We, the father may have meant it to be, you know, trying to show them a lesson, don't lie. But the reality is, is that, you know, he, 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 he's probably told the small, even the smallest of little lies in his time. And we've got to be careful what comes out of our mouth, haven't we? How we influence other people and how we live our lives. So let's be aware of that. On this Mother's Day, you might say, well, this wasn't much about mums. Well, I think it has a lot to do with that mums because I think we have incredible people here today because of mums who have gone before us. Maybe today you didn't have a mum. I understand that. And my heart is not um, just kind of glossing over the reality of that. But may God be your incredible nurturer and your father. And he can make up for every moment that we've lost with those real mums in our lives. Can we stand this morning, church? And we're just going to sing a last song this morning. And we're just going to worship for a moment. But I just want to pray for you this morning. I just want to pray for where you are today. And I suppose my prayer is just a prayer of heartfelt cry that we would be authentic people uh, or genuine people. There's another word that is used, um, sincere, but I didn't even touch on that one. Um, but there's so much truth in those, uh, those simple principles of this one word, genuine. How powerful it is to live as we are real, not trying to play act through life. So, let me just pray this morning. Father, I thank you for every grandmother, grandfather, mother, father, child, young person, new mother, whoever they may be, for every person today. I thank you. There's a lesson that you've got us to teach all of us today, to live real, to live genuine, to live truthful and honest. 
And Father, I know that I come well short of that sometimes, and so I don't even hold myself up as the bright morning star, but I uphold the name of Jesus as that ultimate example of who we can attain to. And today, help us to live as Jesus lived. Help us, Father, today to live real, to live sincere and genuine, not play acting in life, but being real and honest, not ignoring what people say, but listening and receiving and, and kind of just contemplating what needs to happen in our lives when someone shares something real. Father, help us to be people that, Father, would be your reflection in this community because I know people are attracted to you when we get real and sincere and honest, Lord. And so we commit ourselves to you now as your church, as part of your wonderful church in this city and beyond. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. And everyone agrees, said? Amen. Come on, let's just worship one more time this morning.